Welcome back. It's Riley Reed, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty. This show illuminates the power of perspective, compelling you to tune into unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries interwoven with my own mental health stories, lessons, and philosophies. Before I get going, an announcement. On September 17 at Commodore Perry Estate here in Austin, Texas, I'm hosting a creative writing and self-portraiture workshop over brunch. The workshop consists of storytelling as an act of self-care, meditation, and social consciousness. The intention is clarity and enlightenment so that you can develop a personal mission statement and create a self-portrait that reminds you of the importance of cultivating the beauty that is already within you. Personally, the process of these mediums has had a huge effect on my mental health, ultimately aiding me in waking up to self, like capital S. And you deserve that too. You can sign up on Commodore Perry's site, Eventbrite, or through the link in my link tree at Riley Blanks Reed on Instagram. I want to give you just a little quick update. We just got back from Seattle. We visited my sister and brother-in-law, and it was such an enriching trip. We love it out there. And I'm currently sitting at my desk in our back studio. It's a lovely day. I can see blue sky, which is really nice. Although when thinking about melancholy, I do think about rain and fog and I used to be pretty averse to that kind of weather, to weather that didn't feel tropical, even though I've lived in every kind of climate. It just was my preference. But I feel like as the days go by, I do have this draw to, I don't know, just cozy, sad weather. (laughs) Um, And I think I do have a draw to melancholy. There's something about it that makes me feel more connected to myself, to the world around me, to nature, and almost to joy. I feel like we all remember the movie Inside Out. It came out not that long ago. And I think it's interesting that in the end, sadness had a really big effect on joy and you know like I don't know I thought it was really cool that there was such a big positive role for sadness and I think that we often in our society strive so much for contentment and happiness but The thing is, life is in large part suffering. And so if we're, you know, searching constantly for joy and for the obvious positive in the perfumes we wear and the people we surround ourselves with and the language we use and 
the activities we do, then when life, which it will undoubtedly, takes a turn into darkness, how ready are we? How resilient are we to handle the flip side? They say that, especially in psychiatric terms, that melancholy is a form of depression or that it comes with depression. But it doesn't have to be described that way. It doesn't have to exist in that context. I think that there is a sporadic nature for melancholy, for that mood state. And I think it's a really great opportunity for self-reflection and contemplation. I think that can happen without rumination, although I do think it's a slippery slope. And hopefully you have tools in place to ensure that you don't slide down. Susan Sontag has a quote that says, depression is the melancholy minus the charm, the animation, and the fits. And I think I'd rather think of melancholy as separate from depression. The psychiatric concept is related to the everyday concept of melancholy which associates it with a complex emotional state constituted by a certain sadness. It's the everyday concept that is the subject of this episode. I want to think of melancholy as obscure, as more of a psychological state. I think there's something about it that is kind of a paradigm and a phenomena I think it's really fascinating if you're into the Enneagram I'm number four wing three and if you know anything about that type there is a deep draw to the melancholy and it's risky again because it can blossom into something that uh, can you know fall out of your control. But if you have a grasp over melancholy, I think it allows you to see the vastness and the beauty and the deep, just gorgeous, expansive ways of life. I have so many things I want to say about melancholy, and I've written down a lot of quotes and references that I want to share. So just bear with me as I sift through it all. I'm going to try to keep it organized, but I also feel like this particular subject is so fluid and watery that I also kind of want this to just flow. And I'm hopeful that the blend of my anecdotes and my research feel comprehensible. So I have this, you know really great like long list of quotes that I keep to reference and revisit in many different places but I've started using Notion to pull them all together which feels very outside of my usual kind of type B way of organization but it's been really helpful. So 
another quote from Virginia Woolf. She says, the melancholy river bears us on when the moon comes through the trailing willow boughs. I see your face. I hear your voice and the birds singing as we pass the osier bed. What are you whispering? Sorrow, sorrow, joy, joy, woven together like reeds in moonlight. It's really thinking about the non-dualistic state, which is, you know, really evident in Buddhism, whether you believe in that or not. I think no matter who you are, or where you come from, that we are all interconnected as a community, but also interpersonally, like within ourselves. I think that sadness has a bad reputation, but... I think there's something really romantic about it and there's a transient beauty like the ring around the moon, like the light that comes off of the moon. And so I love the idea of surrounding yourself with things that reflect melancholy, like the scent of perfume. There is an artist I love. His name is Frederick Mal. He calls himself the publisher of perfumes. I discovered his perfumes in New York City. I was there with my husband. We were in this campaign, and the hairdresser on set was wearing a scent that I just found so alluring, and he told me that it was called Portrait of a Lady, by Frederick Mall, and that we could go to his little perfume shop. And uh, so we did. But I actually found that my scent was uh, a scent called Promise. I still wear it today. And I love his philosophy on perfume. It's so unusual. He says that his favorite scent is wood burning in winter because it's a warm scent and cold atmosphere. It's that dichotomy that is so interesting. And he talks about leaning into a primal way of choosing fragrance. And I think it's relevant because... There is a primal way of leaning into emotion and feeling. And the senses that we all have can conjure up so much of that abstract way of being. Oftentimes, we go for the trendy sense. We go for the sense that just make us feel good. But there's something to be said for allowing our inner map to lead us to how we want to frame ourselves with scent. I recently, like I said, was in Seattle and I went on a couple of really long walks by myself or just with my sister's dog, Milo. And the weather was really beautiful. Summers in Seattle are amazing. And I just put on some beats you know, music, not necessarily with lyrics that just felt rhythmic. And I took in the sweet smell of pinecone, which was such an interesting thing to witness in summer. I honestly lately have been feeling p- 
pretty melancholic. And the thing with melancholy is that it comes from nowhere. (laughs) You know, I don't really have specific reasons. I have things in my life that are bothering me, but I can't say that the mood is coming from those things. It kind of just is. And so the act of walking with music that isn't really happy nor sad, it's really, really soothing. It brings peace and Discovery Park is very special. I mean, I had views of water and a lighthouse. And at one point, I was felt like I was walking through kind of like a jungle. And then I was on the beach. And then I was walking through what felt like Christmas. And, you know, it was really just stunning. And so you can't find that everywhere. Now I'm back in Austin. And there's beauty here. And there's greenery here. But, you know, it's not the same. can't see a mountain. (laughs) And so I have to find those visuals in my mind. And I also have to find the nature in our neighborhood and around the lake and, you know, in the green belt. And that is very much possible. Nature is everywhere. And connecting to nature, especially in a state of melancholy, is really, really powerful. My sister and I also went to the largest Dahlia show in the country. I didn't even know it existed, but a friendly guy at a florist shop told us about it, and it was incredible. It reminded me how much I love flowers, and I had no idea there were so many varieties of Dahlias, and I've always loved them, but... It was just spectacular to see all of the different colors and the way they opened and the shapes. And it was just amazing. And again, just reminded me of that special relationship between humans and nature that we have to cultivate. Melancholy is kind of ephemeral. It comes like a mist, a fog. It's not invited. And I think some of us fall into it. I think some of us are predisposed. Like we come from it. I think there are a lot of ways that it can arise. But generally, it's not like we beckon it or welcome it. Susan Cain is an author who wrote a book called Bittersweet. And she says it's a tendency to states of longing, poignancy, and sorrow, an acute awareness of passing time, and a curiously piercing joy at the beauty of the world. You know, it's like when you listen to a really sad song and you're kind of into it, or you watch like an old film that's tragic, but like you can't look away. And there's just something in you that's like pulled toward it. Like you make the conscious choice to consume it. In 2020, during the pandemic, I discovered the power of melancholy in a newfound way. I did a really miniature series in our home called Slow Steady Still, where I really studied where the light hit in our home. We hadn't redecorated and our walls were still a darker color. Our house is surrounded by oak trees and With the way that it faces, we don't get a ton of sunlight. 
now that we've redecorated it, it's completely transformed the way light hits the house. But in 2020, I searched for where the light would come through each window throughout the day. And I found that when it rose, it was in the utility room and seeping through the window in our kitchen. And when it set, it came through the front door, stained glass in a really beautiful, reflective way and hit our bathroom very, very gently across the wall. And so I would take these self-portraits in these different light sources and it really encouraged me to pay attention to where light hits, not just the importance of it in a photograph, but the surrounding of it, the feeling of it. And this act wasn't just for me. I also offered sliding scale sessions that summer as sort of a gift to the community, a form of healing. And I had Every client meet me in the park down the street and we would walk and talk and we would, you know, really connect over our different experiences in the pandemic. I met people who had lost loved ones, who were, you know, pregnant, who had quit their jobs or gotten fired or were just going through really immense you know, heavy phases of life. And there was something so special about walking in step and searching for light together. This collaborative way of creating a stamp, a little legacy of that just one of a kind time of life. It's the perfect metaphor for the bittersweet. We've all talked about it, how there was just something so special though heartbreaking, about the height of the pandemic. And I think that there were so many lessons there that I'm hopeful we don't forget. I know that the pandemic had an effect on me. I think I ask this question a lot, like how, how were you changed by the pandemic? How did it change you? In what ways were you changed that you probably wouldn't have been otherwise. I think in a lot of ways, it reminded us of our infancy, of our childhoods, of the parts of life that we innately love. It reminded me how much I love canyons and mountains and need those aspects of nature in my life on a regular basis. It reminded me of how much I love to be outside. I discovered our neighborhood in a whole new way. And it also reminded me of the power of melancholy, that great art and creativity can come of it. And that can be a passive act. It doesn't have to be active. Though at some point that passivity has to be transferred into action. We say that creatives need time to rest, that all people need time to rest. And I think that's true. I also think that the rest should serve as purpose for getting back up again. Because otherwise, especially for people who are creative, and I believe everyone is, 
it's very easy to sink further and further into the couch. So I think I've described what I believe is the definition of melancholy, this really elevated response to the bittersweet, to the feeling of being alive and imperfect and stunned by a beautiful though tragic world. I want to respond to it with some words of wisdom from the book You Are Here by Thich Nhat Hanh, who is one of my favorite writers. And he talks a lot about non-duality, so you will hear that come up. Also, since, you know, as you know, I am a lover of books. I did recently finish Her Body and Other Parts, and I loved this little quote or excerpt that said, I am a continent, but I will not hold. I think it's such an important note that we are so large and so able, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the capacity to fall apart. And I think that the changes, especially the large changes that can happen to us, are in some ways breeding ground for melancholic because it's a kind of grief, a loss of a past self. And there is a letting go there that has to happen in order to feel some kind of transcendental experience. Okay, so this excerpt from You Are Here is early on in the book. If you have it, it starts at page four. It's a longer book than that, but it's very digestible. I highly recommend it. It's one of his most popular books. But the excerpt says, Flowers and garbage are both organic in nature. So look deeply into the nature of a flower. You can see the presence of the compost and the garbage. The flower is also going to turn into garbage, but don't be afraid. You are a gardener, and you have in your hands the power to transform garbage into flowers, into fruit, into vegetables. You don't throw anything away because you are not afraid of garbage. Your hands are capable of transforming it into flowers or lettuce or cucumbers. The same thing is true of your happiness and your sorrow. Sorrow, fear, and depression are all a kind of garbage. These bits of garbage are part of real life, and we must look deeply into their nature. You can practice in order to turn these bits of garbage into flowers. It is not only your love that is organic, your hate is too. So you should not throw anything out. All you have to do is learn how to transform your garbage into flowers. I think it really gives us space to feel everything entirely and to know that there is no good or bad in our feelings. They are just existing within us and doing their thing. And we have the capacity to hold all of it with gratitude and reverence and a really gentle sort of holding. I once heard this really good analogy about holding water in your hands. If you clasp your fist too tight, 
you'll no longer have the water. And if you open your palm entirely, you'll no longer have the water. And that water is the elixir of life. That water is you. So open your palms ever so gently and treat that water like it is your heart, your soul, your mind, your entire being. And you will find that even the melancholy that is there is really important for your entire existence. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your listening ears mean the world to me and they're what makes this podcast real. If you have a moment, please rate or review. It means a lot to me and it helps give this show visibility, which is so important. You can meet me on Instagram at Riley Blanks Reed. Learn more about Woke Beauty at wokebeauty.com. And you can always drop some feedback in my inbox at Riley at wokebeauty.com. I would love to hear from you. As always, remember, you can have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful.